Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Mm where we do daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AW Collision, but also AW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with the Blinker Quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Collision. What did you make of the show? It was okay. <laughs> Let's dive straight into it, then. There was a lot of bits watching this show where I thought, I wonder what... Uh, Michael Sidgwick's going to make of that <laughs> call. Yeah, a few irksome moments. Some good stuff. Nothing great. And I made a, a mistake. Uh-oh. Made a mistake here. Um, straight out of the, don't do this, from, you know, people have got varying opinions of Dave Meltzer. Um, I feel like I'm the last person to just completely become not aligned remotely with the star ratings. I was for a long, long time. I think, my God, even some of the ones he's given this year have been baffling. Mm -hmm. His uh, coverage of certain people over the last three or four months has been highly suspect. Uh. But, you know... I've got a historical love of Dave. I'll never give up on Dave. You're sort of the Dave whisperer as well when it comes to, like, in advance, saying, oh, I've listened to him on Observer, and he said this, and that means he's going to go five, or he's not going to go five on this, or whatever. I can translate. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> but I still hold him in high esteem. I still... this What we do here would not be possible were it not for him. No. And he still has a lot to offer. He says, or has said in the past, my God, I made the mistake. I watched X match before I watched Raw, and now it's not fair. <laughs> yes. It just cannot... And, you know, that take extends to anything that isn't Raw that is subpar... Will Bourne, I watched Will Ospreay versus Shota Umino. Oh, my God. Before this episode of Collision. Shota Umino. Is he on the other? Shota! <laughs> I watched Will Ospreay versus Shota Umino. Mm. And I tweeted this. I will say it again. Hopefully, the mega fans will forgive me. You know when, like, uh, Robert Johnson, the little blues singer, mm -hmm. the, the folklore behind... His, uh, you know, career mm. was that he sold his soul to the devil at the crossroads to become imbued with the most 
incredible skill at guitar and songwriting. It's ferocious. I never, ever heard before. It's like he got it from the devil and he sold his soul to the devil. And that was the, the legend of Robert Johnson. It's like a wrestler can do that, but they just have to wrestle Will Ospreay. <laughs> you want to become this like incandescent, incredible version of yourself. Just wrestle Will Ospreay in 2023. Like, I'm not even that in love with the Will Ospreay style. Mm-hmm. And the Will Ospreay, hardcore mega fans will bristle at me saying that. I'm not saying that, oh, you know, there's a lot of flips and stuff. I'm saying that he works that really lengthy mm-hmm. New Japan main event style, even though he emphasizes power and doesn't fly around as much and he's great at selling. I'm not saying he doesn't do any of these things. And I'm not saying there's one version of a Will Ospreay match. He had that technical masterpiece with Zack Sabre Jr. at mm-hmm. Royal Quest. Like, he's had some sickening, brilliant uh, <laughs> brawls with Kenny Omega. But he does specialize in that 40-minute New Japan main event yeah. with that sort of hybrid modern style of he'll do some high spots, he'll do some sub- submissions, he will... Um, do a lot of back-and-forth, counter-driven, counter-counter-counter sequences. Um, I'm not even that high on that particular style anymore, and I watched this and thought, Jesus Christ. Like, the guy's unbelievable, and the story he told was showed. I don't even know if it's going to, like, work. The idea, as he said in the press conference, Shota, I want you to... You are Shota f***ing Umina. <laughs> You're not... Tanahashi, you're not a carter. You're not Moxley. You are shout a f***ing <laughs> and I want you to show me who you are. So the story was, I'm going to take you on the match of your life. Hang in there with me. Prove to these people that you deserve their support when I'm gone. And he effectively said he's leaving New Japan. Yeah. And that was the story of the match. It played out for 40 minutes. And my God, it was in, uh, incredible. And yeah, we'll also, I'm not saying Shota Umino wasn't wonderful in that match. For the most part, he was. There was the odd moments where I thought, come on, have some instincts, lad. He's still looking a little bit blank behind the eyes. He's still looking like you could have a bit more fire at this moment or not. But Will Ospreay is able, in this form, at this intersection of his experience level and his athletic ability and his just general brilliance and his you know willingness and ability to improve. And I don't even like the guy this much. Mm. He can go in there and give wrestlers the match of their life every single week. And he can go in there and he can... He's like a genie. <laughs> like, Mr. Osprey, can you make me the best version of myself? Grant you the wish. And his match was unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. There are certain moments in it where you're like, how did you not die? Yeah. How is your neck not broken? That's the face of the future. And then you think, maybe not. Maybe it's Osprey, and he's just doing a very, very good job of pretending. But the Dave Meltzer rule of don't watch anything great before you watch something that it's just weekly TV, ultimately. Because maybe I'm going to be low on Collision. I don't necessarily think I would have... Did the earth move for you watching this episode of Collision? Well, I'll One tell you in a bump second. it did. Oh my god! Yeah, I'll t- I'll tell you in a second, just quickly before we move off this topic, and I might not get a chance to ask you this, or I might just forget. Where do you think Osprey's going to end up? Because I think <sighs> if you'd have asked, if I'd have asked you this this time last year, you'd have said AEW. Without if he was going to leave New Japan, AEW. That question. It feels a bit more up in the air. Nah, now. he's still going to AEW. He's just playing a game with mm. this WWE thing. He has to. You you know, he's, 
milking a bit more money. Oh, yes. You yeah. have to play this game. It's not even a hot take to suggest that he's playing it. He's done the uh, eyeballs emoji tweet to Seth Rollins in the wake of Crown Jewel. You have to, unless you're Darby Allen, who doesn't want to do this. And he said in promos that he doesn't want to do this. Um, you have to give the pretense of wanting to go elsewhere. That isn't your preferred destination. Because if you leverage, this is not a hot take, if you leverage interest from afar or different companies, like, there is such a thing as this capricious 11th hour change of mind mm-hmm. where you can go, you know what, actually, I'm going to blow the whole world up. And this has happened in football. It's happened yeah. in, like, you know, other things like this. And you just have to play the game and entertain every offer and pretend to be interested in every offer, even if you've got a preferred destination in mind. Wilborn, I said in this very chair three days ago, I think there's a very good argument for AEW not signing Will Ospreay at all. That honestly, like this gets isolated. People like the Ugh. most staunch, ultra, like think they are knowledgeable wrestling fans, and I can't really say that with a straight face because I like to think I am as well. <laughs> but you know what I mean? The ultimate, I know best, or you know, they would think you're an idiot for daring to suggest that AEW, particularly at this point in its history, mm. when, you know, it's never faced more of a backlash, it really feels like the gloves are off, it really feels like that original vibe of, you know, they're, they're not being out this long, it's a force for good, we needed this, maybe be a bit gentle with your criticisms, maybe I was guilty of that, the gloves are well and truly off now. Yeah. The well and truly off now, that novelty is completely dead and gone, so, like, even now, when the gloves are off, people are prepared to really criticize AEW and rightfully so for a completely wasteful and at times baffling year this year. Why would you say no to someone who is the consensus best wrestler in the world? And if you take stock in Dave Meltzer's star ratings, you believe he is statistically Hmm. the best of all time. If you look at the in-ring, at the in-ring, obviously there's better promos and bigger draws and all the rest of it. But like, it's not just the number of five plus star matches, which is just everyone, no one will come close for years and years at this no. point. But like, if you look at all of the, you know, the 4.75s, the, the mere five out of fives, <laughs> the four and a halfs, like, I think statistically, for matches work to acclaimed matches ratio, Dave Meltzer would consider him the best in the ring ever, and a lot of other critics would too. I've made the argument that AEW should not sign him as good as he is, because if he comes in, like... That's Hangman, Jay White, Swerve Strickland, Roosh, Takeshita, Bandido. You know, that tier below your MJFs, Moxley's, Omega's, Jericho's, Danielson's. Mm. Like, there's just someone else on that tier you've invested time in who could be the face of a different company without that stack roster. That someone else is just, oh, you can't really do as much as you could now that Will's here. And yet, I watched that Umino match. And it's not just the direct benefit of getting the consensus best wrestler in the world amongst critics. And there'll obviously be contrarians and all the rest of it. I get it. But a lot of prominent critics think he's the best. Like, it's not just the benefit of signing a guy whose matches have got this inherent appeal and inherent greatness at this point. Like a big match, like Osprey versus Danielson. Like, why wouldn't you sign him for, to facilitate that? Mm. Osprey versus MJF. Osprey versus Hangman, we haven't really seen. Yeah. Like, that's in addition to the matches that we know are great. Osprey, Jay White. Osprey can work ZSJ. Tony's got access to ZSJ. 
Osprey Omega again. Like, why would you not do Darby all these things? Darby Allen, Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Like Osprey Swerve. Um, it's not just a direct benefit of those matches I've just listed. Like, indirectly, you get in that ring with Will Ospreay and Shota and Like, the jury's always been out on Shota. Yeah. Is it tell don't show with New Japan? Is he showing us enough of what they've told us about him? How good is he really? Sometimes he looks great. Other times he can just look really mid and idealist. And then he works that match with Osprey, and you think he's the next big thing. The indirect benefit of signing a Will Osprey and making everyone on your roster look like the best version of themselves is uh, even I at this point, after watching that Umino match, maybe I didn't need to be reminded. Maybe I should have just watched any Will Osprey match in the last <laughs> three years and probably realized, you know what? Yeah, I'm an idiot. Sign him up. Sign him up. Good Bruce. Put boards. that in the people might want to know about Osprey trends a lot, so put that in the bullet points on okay. the on the X post. Just saying, the uh, Good Bruce bet board is uh, looking rather sparse right now. Oh, to be honest, I'd like the same in WWE. Yeah, I need different that. reasons to invest in that company. I'm getting some of them: Cody, Gable, Gunther, Ivar, oh. Bianca Belair, yeah, rescuing Bailey, Kyrie Sane's back. Yep, there are reasons, but I need more, and Osprey would be a big one. That's pure selfish content creation. I had, if I was a fan, I would say just get him an AW. Yeah, I had the uh, the odds way he's going to be the best version of himself. Actually, yeah. New Japan well, is yeah. where he's going to be. The <laughs> That's way why they a, a lean more AW because he can still go back there. I, I you know if he stayed there, I didn't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. Like he does an Oz cutter in every match. He's a wrestler. He's got a loser. <laughs> he does an Oz cutter in this match against Shota Umino, and the way it's directed, it's just. Oh, it looks like he's flown from the other side of the ring because they just keep the camera still. Yeah. And they don't do that in AEW. It's one of the many things they could do. I had a good time watching this show, but I think it was the the opposite of what you did. So you watched uh, Umino versus Osprey, and I just watched Chesterfield versus Portsmouth. Ah, so you're in a good mood. I was in a very good mood on Sunday. Uh, I was check for the Chesterfield results for you. Unbelievable. The best team in the competition we knocked out. League One leaders. At present. Haven't lost since March. And then Chesterfield come into town and say, uh, well, come on. Yeah. It's good from a set piece, but, you know, still. Uh, anyway, so I was in a very good mood. Uh, and I was watching the opening of this. They're doing the, the cold open promos of like, well, now I'm going to kick your ass. These are so half-hearted now. Well, this is the thing. And I can't hear them. I was literally about to go, okay, well, I'll just say, I'm not going to write anything down here. I might even just skip to... Okay, yeah. FTR, big bill. Jake Roberts with Lance Archer. Darby Allen. I get it. Very nice. And then it cut to Swerve, and he's mouthing off. Suddenly someone flies in, starts attacking him. It's AR Fox, obviously, considering their history together. Beats him up, and whilst the pyros are going... He's kicking his ass down the ramp. Red hot start to uh, AW Collision. I both loved and hated this. Can I just before I forget? Yeah, dive in. How do you book a segment not involving Hangman Page at all oh. and make me resent Hangman Page? I understand Swerve didn't have a match on Wednesday, but he was present in the building, as was Hangman Page. Hangman Page should have started Wednesday's show doing what AR Fox did on Collision. Mm. What on earth are they thinking? Like, it's one thing to not do that on Wednesday, and that was baffling and not good, and it further eroded my interest in the Hangman Page character. I used to take him more seriously than any other wrestler mm. in the world. Felt like a real guy with real problems, relatable struggles, who just happened to be great at wrestling, but didn't believe in that. 
it, it was perfect for reasons we've talked about at length. Now I don't even believe him mm. at all because he's not doing what AR Fox did here. Yeah. So they fight down the ramp. It's the thing in and of itself as a way to start the show. Really strong. Yeah. But just the indirect implication for what Hangman Page isn't doing just really annoyed me. Swerve's like, get away from me. They brawl into the ring. Swerve gets out of the ring. Big dive from AR Fox when he goes out to the floor. Uh, he also hit a rolling cutter for a near fall early on as uh, Prince Nana tries to fire up the crowd with the uh, Who's House? Also, best sign I've ever seen. Whoever had what, that. What, Adam Warner's a wanker? No. <laughs> the Prince Nana sign with the moving arms. Yes. Brilliant, whoever made that. Um, back and forth between Swerve and Fox. He's, he's had a chance to recover somewhat. Uh, Strickland dumped Fox onto the apron with a hip toss. That looked like it sucked. Yeah. Um, he beats up Fox. Down come the gates of agony to enjoy this front row seat for this sort of thing. Um Strickland puts Fox on the top rope and hits a superplex to take us to a break. When we come back, Fox fires up. It's a DDT. It's a twisting suplex. Full 50 splash gets a two count. Um, he sits Strickland on the top rope. Low main pain gets a near fall. Goes for another rolling cutter, but Strickland counters it with a neck breaker. Hits the house call. That gets a near fall. Uh, Fox tries to get a flash pin in. Strickland throws him into the buckles with a back suplex. And then he pulls Fox up into like a powerbomb position, then spins it into a power slam. I don't think I've seen Swerve do that sort of thing yet. He does a bust out a new awesome move yeah. almost every other match to Swerve. I really like that. Uh, and he hit the Swerve stomp for the one, two, three. Post match, it looks like the uh, whole Mogul Embassy is going to kick the crap out of Fox. FTR run down to make the save. Big brawl breaks out. Here comes Ricky Starks and Big Bill. LFI run out to even it all out. And. Uh, uh, it calms down because obviously that's coming up for the uh, eight-man in the main event. Uh, no handshake from LFI for FTR, uh, whilst the House of Black watch on from the crowd. I do love this Swerve Strickland thing. He did it against Brian, where he did something that I don't think anyone knew what the move was called or if anyone had seen it before. Like Every report that I read from people who, I just don't know wrestling moves me. I'm just useless me at Me neither. Them. Um... I, I, I like how he'll introduce something new every other match because, one, he's not ripping anybody off really by doing that. Two, even though you don't really... It doesn't make sense for every wrestler to do that every single time because part of crowd psychology is mm -hmm. to make fans anticipate or to subvert their expectations and get a gasp where you can um, or, like, want them to see the move. But it just proves that Swerve is, like... It's a very, very idea-driven, creative guy who's, mm. like, really intent on impressing and taking that spot he said as much on tv um so i love the fact that he does that just to continually tell you and show you that i want it i want it believe in me i'm the one and i want it um the match was fine this is stuff that looked like it really hurt <laughs> that sort of jolted me from my aew induced stupid general um didn't outstay its welcome creative entertaining mm. nothing great but uh, it's weird to see this match graphic, and he can, they'll never escape the shadow of what they've done together previously. Um, but no, it's a fun TV opener. Mm, I like that as the opener. Then we get a video package hyping up MJF versus Daniel Garcia for the world title that goes down this Wednesday. Garcia challenged him on Rampage. MJF uh, had already accepted, uh, and then he cuts a promo backstage following last week's Dynamite. Uh, saying Jay White is as stupid, uh, twice as stupid as MJF, despite being in the business twice as long. MJF is at the pinnacle. He's going to prove it at full gear, and that's why he's better than Jay, and you know it. And we see uh, Jay White and the rest of the Bing Bing Ging celebrating Jay pinning MJF. 
told you so. We are truly elite. Um, who just pinned the world champion? Who's going to do it again at full gear? It's Jay White. And uh, White says the Collision Cowboys deserve a little break. Uh, so the guns have got collision off this week. Two words, guns up. I, the, Unless they change the central thrust of the story, I'm not going to get into it. I the mean, theft thing sucks. There is a potential. I was talking to Hamford with this. There's a pen potential. When's Full Gear? Less than two weeks away now, isn't it? That your main event of Full Gear is Daniel Garcia versus Mark Briscoe. <laughs> Titles on the line. Number one contender shots on the line. Hey. I mean, no. Um, <laughs> no. This is fine, I guess. You see Eddie Kingston's response. Yeah. Yeah. I can only hope they are foreshadowing. They're working, brother, and foreshadowing a match because there was a bit of that very soon after MGF won the title. Mm. It felt like they were building very, very slowly and quietly through social media, Eddie Kingston being the one to at least have a match of them. So maybe, maybe that is coming back into play. Um, I promo wise, unremarkable really from both men. Um, it, at this point, in, and they'll get there. It's MGF at this point, right? The last two months were a bust, but they'll cut a promo on each other next week, and it'll be great. And yeah. get hyped up, but not good enough for a, a, an AEW main event program. Uh, Kip Sabian's backstage with Lexi Nair. Um, he's pissed off that Mark Briscoe, who's back, uh, attacked him on Rampage. Why did he do that? <laughs> the work horsemen are there. Um, Sabian calls them AW, one of AEW's most underrated teams. He challenges Briscoe to a six-man tag if he can find two friends to fight with him tonight. Um, I'm sure they'll find that in all friends wrestling. Out comes uh, the Kingdom and Roderick Strong. Uh, Strong cuts off his introduction with his usual shtick. Uh, no one takes them or neck health seriously, so they make sure they're going to make sure everyone takes them seriously, especially Adam Cole. And then the Kingdom squashed James McGregor and Brixton Nash. Um, the Hail Mary spike, spike pile driver getting the victory. I did like Strong jumping out of his wheelchair and nailing. I think it was Nash with a jumping knee before going oh bloody neck and then crawling back to his wheelchair. Yeah, <laughs> good squash. If I liked that sort of thing. If it was really early in this Roddy thing before it got too broad and too silly and too repetitive, in and of itself, it's quite a good bit of physical comedy acting, but I'm just done with it at this point, the whole thing. Uh, there's a video package hyping uh, TNT champion Christian Cage, and then Mark Briss goes backstage with Lexi Nair. Great oh, seeing him God, back on. he's so good. Yeah, great seeing him back on telly. <gasps> it's just the sudden jarring shifts in. Can't take your eyes off him. Aye. Uh, FDR come in and they're like, fine, we'll do double duty uh, for you. And he's like, no, no, boys, you've got your own concerns. Uh, you already got your own business to take care of. Don't worry about it. Plus, I've got two other people in mind, actually. And Lexi's like, oh, who is it? And he's like, I can't divulge that information in his own inimitable style. I'm so glad he's back. Uh, Keep putting joy. on telly. A literal joy to watch. Uh, and then it was time for Darby Allen versus Lance Archer. Uh, good to see Lance Archer back on telly as well. Um, I was going to do a snarky joke, but there's a development. Yeah. There? Um, so Darby Allen obviously still got the dodgy shoulder and Lance Archer's, well, Lance Archer. So Darby Allen tries to use his speed, but Archer pounces him out of the ring, hits a shoulder breaker on the dodgy shoulder of Darby's. Uh, Archer goes to go old school, but gets crotched. Um, there's a suicide dive by Darby Allen. 
uh, and he jumps on Archer's back, but Archer just flings him off and then suplexes him up the ramp to take us to a break. When we come back, Archer's set um, Allen up in the corner for the blackout, but Allen again jumps into a sleeper hold, uh, ducks a corner charge, goes up top, but uh, Archer hits him with a step-up knee lift, sets up for the blackout. Darby Allen counters with a stunner, goes with the coffin splash. Uh, Lance Archer catches it, sends him up and over with a German suplex. Mm. Uh, he flings Allen to the turnbuckle like he's just a mannequin, basically. Hits a choke slam, um, another choke slam onto the apron. Oh my god! Oh my god! Refs counting him out. Uh, and Jake the Snake tries to sneakily twat Darby Allen with his skateboard, gets caught and gets ejected. Um, Darby Allen gets back in the ring. Archer sets him up on the top rope, but Darby Allen bites his fingers and claws at his eyes and then hits the super code red off the top to get a narrow victory. Post-match, Jake the Snake comes back out. He said, I never come to a fight with just one piece of artillery. And he brings out... Brings out the righteous. Uh, Robert says they know how to get the job done. Uh, you better be ready to go straight to hell. And Vincent says it's showtime. Mm. Mm. And Darby turns around into a blackout from Lance Archer. Um, it's forming an army. Yeah. <sighs> Quick thoughts on the match before I give you my thoughts on the army, right? <laughs> I said on the preview in this very chair on Friday that there's every chance this is wonderful, fantastic. <laughs> Just bleed greatness. There's every chance that I'm looking at this match through a lens that is probably too generous and I should instead be letting the reality dictate my preview and that Lance Archer is cold. No one takes him seriously, sadly. Doesn't befit his talent mm. at all. He's unbelievable, but he's cold. Uh, this is another really badly sold collision in an arena that's far too big. Archer's aura's not there. There's every chance that this could just be a really good version of something that wants... Oh, the best version of itself could be incandescent. Yeah. It was good, and it was sick at various points, <laughs> and it was uh, just bleed at various points, but it wasn't what it could have been. When I first thought, oh, my God, Lance Archer and Darby mm. Allen should have a match in, like, 2020. I was like, oh, my God. Mm. I, I never once really approached that feeling I expected to experience once upon a time, but the story was nicely told. There was some, like, I wasn't shortchanged on Darby being a lunatic. I wasn't shortchanged on the idea of him looking utterly doomed. <laughs> um, I will say the comeback, it didn't really feel like, oh, my God, how have you just beaten him what an awesome comeback. Felt a little bit anticlimactic. Not banana skin, but a bit... I don't know. I feel like the best version of this match, you'd see Derby somehow persevere, and he'd look, like, unbelievable coming out the other side. The other side. Never got that feeling. Um, onto the stable. Hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily fair, right? Or if it's just informed by my... Is apathy the right word toward the righteous? If anything, I honestly find them a little bit cringe. Like... It's not just, oh, I don't feel anything. I feel like a bad thing mm. for the righteous. Look, they're well-liked, obviously, internally. They've got plans for them. They've given them big spots. Maybe it's one of those uh, someone sees what I don't yet situations, but maybe this is informed by my just general whatever towards the righteous, but it's got to the point now, and I'm not saying it's anywhere near as bad as it was in WWE in 2016, 17, 18, 
when you finally realized, oh, hang on. Oh, this NXT is not going to change anything. Mm. These promotions from NXT, they're all getting buried. This is not, if anything, like WWE is getting worse and worse and worse. When someone will get called up and you think, all right, all right, pay your career mm. because you're dead. You're never going to make it on this main roster because it's so fundamentally broken. I'm not saying that AEW is anywhere near as bad as that. Like, you're still going to get a promo every other week. That's incredible. You're still going to get a match every oh, week. Oh, yeah. That's incredible. The vibes aren't anywhere near as horrible. I still think the failures are noble, whereas Vince would just be this antagonistic guy. So I'm not saying it's quite the same or remotely the same. AEW in 2023 versus WWE in 2018. I'm not saying it's anywhere near as bad as that. But I do get the same feeling whenever a new act mm. launches or a new team or a new... You know, when Powerhouse Hobbs or, you know, enters the Callas family, I still get that same feeling of, right, well, I'll believe it'll get pushed and I'll believe it'll be good when I see it. Yeah. But I don't get jazzed. I'm not like fantasy booking them into trios matches or I'm not just, I've just seen so many false starts yeah. from careers in AEW over the past 18 months that I don't, I just don't get hyped about virtually anything mm. until I see it. Yeah, I mean, we talk about misuse of talent and all that. We did a, a big video podcast that's come out today on our YouTube channel. It's available already uh, as a, uh, as a, just as a podcast. If you want to listen to it whilst you're out and about. Uh, what Culture Wrestling Podcast, obviously, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, all about the sort of current state of AEW. And uh, I know people say we, we're a bit down on AEW, but I think, well, we, me and Havlet talked a little bit about it on the SmackDown review earlier on, uh, SmackDown review, the Crown Jewel review earlier on today. I think it's genuinely a really good discussion that we have because we kind of take the time to lay it all out. It's not just, oh, they do this, this, and this, and they need to fix it. Like, you, obviously, one of the biggest proponents in AEW's history, you wrote a bloody book about them at the end of the day, but you have legitimate concerns. You've had them for a while, and this is not nitpicking 2019, 2020 AEW going, oh, tighten that little bit up, you know? Yeah. What we're doing here... It's, I think it's fairly reflective of, of like you say, how the, uh, how how the current state of AEW is being received. Um, but it's a longer form discussion. I think it's well worth checking out. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> if you want to go and uh, have a listen to that after this one, obviously. Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Anyway, right, we are um, backstage with TBS champ Chris Statlander, Willow Nightingale, and Sky Blue. Lexi Nair um, chats to him, and Statlander thanks Blue for uh, saving um, Willow against Julia Hart on Dynamite. And she says, "Don't thank me. I only did what I did to uh, to help Willow Nightingale." Good luck in your match tonight. So intriguing to see where that goes from here. And then uh, Alex Abrahantes is backstage. He uh, hypes up Penta's win on Rampage. Swerve comes in. He's very cocky about what he's just done as well. And Abrahantes is disgusted with Strickland's home invasion uh, because there's nothing Penta loves it, uh, loves more than Lucha Libre than his family. And uh, on behalf of Penta, he challenges Swerve to a match on Dynamite, which Strickland accepts. And uh, alludes to taking his mask off, basically. Why is Hangman Page? More people are, like, upset on his behalf. Or yeah. pe- more people are behaving like he should than he is. Havlet made a good point. Because I said I'm going to be furious on Wednesday if midway through this match, Hangman Page comes out and he's like, I'm going to f- get my hands on him. Because it's like, you knew Swerve was going to be uh, at uh, Collision. Yeah. The match with A.O. Fox was advertised. So you know he's going to be there and the whole on-site thing. All it, all it would take here, Havlet made a really good point, is just saying, Lexi Nair saying, yeah, we know obviously what you've done to Swerve and that's why he's been banned from the arena tonight. Yeah. Or that's why he's been, you know, whatever, you know, threatened with legal action if he does anything. If they he le- used to do these details better than any promotion <coughs> ever. And now they don't even get the simple details right. That is one of the, we didn't make that point on Turning Point. <laughs> that's podcast. the name of the pod, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's another one like, the easiest details are just slipping now. Whereas previously, they would tell a story and like, will you be my Valentine? Oh my God, I'm going to jack it. That's why you've been saying the Roddy Pipe. I mean, I understood, I guess, that there's yeah. going to be a dog collar match. But that's, I knew, oh, they're doing all these references to Piper. Why are they talking about Piper so much? Oh, uh, and then I twigged with me. Oh yeah. my God, they're doing a dog collar. And then the day they set it up, CM Punk had that. Will you be my Valentine line? It's like, these are the details that just almost unparalleled, at least in North American mm. episodic TV. And now they put uh, Willow Nightingale in a world title match <laughs> um, after she's lost a TBS title match in less than a fortnight prior and then lost a four-way match to get the world title. It- 69 Day was being celebrated. Was Willow Nightingale, like... Cashing in some frequent flyer miles or something. And she said, oh, by the way, I can be at every single show. And Tony's going, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> because she's on it. She's on all the shows after, yeah. like, barely being on them. Which I, I'll never not be happy with that. Absolutely. It's weird. Uh, Why can't you just be on them and win? <laughs> it's the acclaimed uh, 69th day as oh, AEW. Jesus Christ. AEW Trios champions. Pink streamers go off everywhere. Uh, and Anthony Bones reveals he's got a surprise for Max Caster. Uh, it's Maxwell Jacob Friedman saying that he respected Caster. He appreciates what he did, taking that belt shot for him on Dynamite. Uh, Adam Cole's taught him that you can have more than one friend. It's okay to do that. And Caster's uh, growing on him. Maybe not in the best way, but growing on him. Uh, I didn't love the acclaimed, but he was starting to like them. And he ends by saying, yay, scissoring. Uh, and this just makes... Max Caster's life. He's very happy. He says, this is the culmination of all our hard work at the top of the trios division. Uh, we couldn't have done it without the people, though. They've got a 69-day trophy. The moment they put that on screen, I went, well, that's not lasting long. I've just introduced this new thing. Oh, like we always said, the 69-day trophy, guys. Um, and uh, 
Bowen's just tr- trying to sort of wrap this thing up, but uh, Daddy Ass wants to 69 everyone in the building. Isn't that what daddies do, he says. Uh, he's just having fun, he clarifies. Um, Bowen's goes to wrap things up again, and the music of Dalton Castle hits. Oh, my God. I love me some Dalton Castle and the yeah. boys. He comes out, and I'm like, what's happening here? And he walks down to the ring, does his schnazzy stuff with the boys, uh, and then he sends them outside to get the 69-day trophy. And I, I think I audibly said out loud, here we go. And he takes it, and he looks at it, walks over to the other side of the ring, he smashes it on the floor. And they all get into a big brawl. And then Aubrey Edwards is suddenly there, and it's an impromptu trio's title match. And I thought, I'm sure Sid is going to have something to say about this tomorrow. Right. Before I give you my thoughts on the match, spoiler alert, very few. This all sucked. This was all <laughs> dismal. It's one thing to do, I guess on collision, right? My always, my headcanon has always been, what would the main event be? Or what's this in place of? Or what would happen if this didn't happen? I.e. nothing. All right, that's a plot hole. This is all the worst logic ever. Yeah. Uh, it would just replace some in action matches. So, like, you know. What? It's not that bad. Yeah. Really, the collision, the way it is, means maybe an impromptu match actually makes sense because, oh, they're just going to have someone else in action. It's still bad. I still hate it. Like, this was so WWE. You know when it's like, oh, well, it turns out since we've come back from commercial that the match is just happening. It was a one-on-one match, and now people have interfered, so now it's a six-man tag. Mm-hmm. Like, was there a challenge here, or did just Aubrey Edwards materialize? So the announcers sort of reverse-engineered this, I think, after the break. They go to a break. I'll explain what happened to take us to a break in a bit, but they come back and they say, oh, by the way, the acclaimed had put out an open challenge for the titles, so that's why it's happening right now. Oh, what a load of absolute bollocks. I, I was annoyed legitimately because when Dalton and the boys came out, I thought... Oh, great. We're going to get like, I, I'm not buying that Dalton and the boys are going to take the trio's titles, but I was like, great. We'll get like a few weeks Dalton Castle promos. Great. Can't wait to see more of those. And they're going to build, not a full gear, obviously, but to a big match on a collision or on a dynamite for the titles. And they went, fine, right now. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Oh, my, I have or I was thinking like Dalton Castle was going to recruit some people or what? I don't know. I believe, and then. I don't want to cast aspersions on like the, the credibility of the professional wrestling industry, but I think they're lying <laughs> when they say everybody loves the acclaimed because increasingly, week by week, I'm not just no longer charmed by the acclaimed. I'm starting to hate the acclaimed. Wow. It's, oh, God. Daddy ass is such a smug presence. <laughs> Unfunny. Like, they didn't even do any gags. They were just talking. The gag was 69. Yes. Oh, we're going to 69 with people in the crowd. And so, all right, okay, so that means Billy Gunn's going to climb over, like, my face. So, you know what I mean? What, so what's he going to do? I get it. Scissoring's got a sexual connotation, yeah. okay? I'm a 69-year-old, and, you know, I want to, you know, Daddy's 69. It's just like, it's puerile. Yeah. I like to think, right, our version of puerile comedy on this podcast is like a parody of a satire of a parody of a satire of a parody of a, just a ridiculous gross extension of that kind of humour, mm. right? We like, All roots from Triple H likes cock jokes. We think that is so lame. Yeah. So let's just take it to its biggest extreme. Mm. Unless it's Stax, obviously, making those jokes. Yes. I'm not speaking for Stax. No, so no, neither no. of us no, can obviously. speak we for Stax. We couldn't do it, yeah. So, 
Uh, our version of pure royal comedy is the extreme, ridiculous version of how puerile and childish Triple H's comedy stylings yes. are, right? This is like, I think, face value, her, 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 <laughs> 69. And I thought, it's so charmless. They're not even well-crafted jokes. These are clowns. He's got terrible senses of humor. This is not really a segment that kept saying, oh, I'm going to bring it to a close, like a minute in, mm. and then something happens. Oh, I'm going to bring it to a close. And I was like, what even is this? Uh, it's, yeah, I was confused it's by that. formless shit <laughs> that's not funny, that has no, like, discernible jokes. I genuinely thought when they said, I've got a surprise for you, I thought, right, I know it's basic, but he's going to say, um, he's so happy with you, MJF, Max, that he's agreed to go for dinner with you, dinner for two with a beautiful view. 69, right? That would be a joke. Yeah. This is just absolutely... Like, I didn't you, get the whole... I don't know whether they got lost and they were like, we'll just say we're wrapping it up because we know that's the cue for Dalton. Yeah, it was just bizarre, terrible, formless, charmless. And the acclaim, like they don't even end up having good matches anymore. I've made this point. It was a real heart and endeavor to the acclaimed leveling up on pay-per-view. It's yeah. like, oh my God, uh, we the went, internal project can do it. You and I sat here and went, I can't remember, was it, was it Lee and Swerve they were facing? It was my worst take ever. You and I sat here and went, well, this is going to be kind of straightforward by the numbers nonsense. And then we were sat there going, they should have called an audible. My absolute worst take ever was, in general, it's a good take, so it's always true. <laughs> there's always one match too much on an AW pay-per-view, and there's always one match that should be so much better than it is, but you can't get the fans engaged for four hours. Or was one match at least suffers that ordinarily put it on the next dynamite, it would get over massive. And I thought that would be acclaimed versus Swerve in our glory at all out 2022. Or 10 minutes of knockabout gentlemen's three fun. Who cares? Are the acclaimed really the tag team for this spot? And oh my god. Yeah. That thought that acclaim's dead. This is so charmless, so puerile, so house showy three star action. Yeah. I, I, I have no thoughts on the match. I'll tell you that now. Look at my notes. Look at my notes. I normally make. Look, there's my notes for the the Briscoe uh, six man. It's the epitome of matches just existing. That one, that note in the middle is about them saying about the impromptu title match. Yeah, they just so go like, back and forth early. There's like a bit of physical comedy with the pinata. The pinata. And oh, passing it back and forward. And I'm getting confused where the pinata is. Oh, it's in my face. Like absolutely irredeemable crap. Um, I could go a long time without watching the acclaimed in a single segment. The most overexposed act in AEW by far. I like Bowens a lot. Big fan of his. Yes, me too, me too. You know, his uh, rock papers is a shoot. Gets a great reaction. Hits the boys with that. This is. I'm just going to go to the finish. Um, Sizzle me timbers to the other boy. The other boy. <laughs> and uh, a fame asset after Mr. Mr. Ass is about to call him there. Daddy ass. Make sure he tells him to suck my cack. Suck my cack. <laughs> I mean, who thinks that's funny? <laughs> Mike Drop gets the one, two, three. I just don't, I just, I don't really get on with that sense of humor. Um, we were half right. You suck my cack. <laughs> half right, you know. We played a little game. When he... To this day, Daddy House thinks it's a stitch when Triple H says it, right? We think it's funny that we were so stupid and hormonal 20 years ago, <laughs> 25 years ago, that we thought that was funny to say in the playground. Yeah. Or, That's the, the or difference. If, you had, if you had balls to the teacher. Yes. Excuse me. Excuse me, teacher. I got bollocks for saying it to a teacher once. Because she just came out apropos of nothing when people were being um, naughty in class. I got two words for you. <laughs> in 1998, <laughs> dummy. And me, my mom, suck it. And she's like, 
What? And it's like, uh, nothing, 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 nothing. Yeah, guns up, miss. Guns up. <laughs> I just didn't remember being in math math class. Uh, and a, a mate of mine did not get on with the math teacher. And it was butted head somewhat. But it was, you know, he, he was like, he was one of those kids who was like, piss about. And then still, like, if I did that, I'd just fail my exams. But he could do yeah. it just like, you know, do whatever. And uh, so that he was messing about, I don't know, probably inking someone with a fountain pen. That was kind of how we passed our time back then. Uh, and then erasing it before when the teacher went and got the caretaker. And it's like, oh, what, what fountain pen? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, <laughs> and it butted heads somewhat. And uh, she's kind of bollocked him in front of the class. And she turns around to talk to the kids who sat in front of him. And he goes to flip on the board, and she turns back around, and he freezes. <laughs> He's just got the middle finger right in her face. And it was like, well, see you in three weeks after detention, buddy. One of the funniest, nothing to do with wrestling or soccer yeah, or anything. Yeah. Very quick anecdote from school. Like, there are times I can identify with the teacher now, because there are times as a parent where you think, well, I can't do anything with that. What do I do? Like when Charlotte, my daughter, will just... So please, like, can you eat? And she'll just arms fold and just shut <laughs> down. So I can't do anything with that. No. Can't do anything. Year 10, maths, GCSE, yeah. You're expected to take it a bit more seriously. Knuckle down, yeah. Knuckle down, come on. Cor- this is coursework. It'll all go on your uh, permanent record. <laughs> and um, I, Mrs. Tonks, she said to this lad, Andrew, who's a knacker in maths, Andrew, do your work. Nah. Like, uh, like, uh, nah, uh, nah, nah. He just went, nah. What do you do with that? Okay, okay, it's your life, yeah. Good look in your life, I suppose. Um, so yeah, I was gonna say, we we sort of sort of called it because next was Lexinaire backstage chatting to the person that CJ Perry is uh, is apparently working with, or at least, um has extended an offer to. I'm talking about Andrade El Idolo. He basically says, it's my business, my business only. I'm not going to tell you about it, but I'll tell you what, I'll give CJ Perry an answer face-to-face next week. Now, in our game, of course, we said it was going to be Dustin Rhodes, and he came out directly after this. So, close, close no cigar. no cigar. What did you think of this briefly? About what, sorry? Andrade saying, oh, I'll tell you next week. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> then it was time for uh, Kip Sabian and the Workhorsemen, uh, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake versus Mark Briscoe and two partners of his choosing. And those partners were Dustin Rhodes, as I said, and one Keith Lee, who's back. And we've got a babyface supergroup on Collision. You're joking. Not another one? Oh, my God. <laughs> what is going on? The announcement we're talking about, the fact that War Games. I like this trio's match. It was yeah. fun. Nothing more. Bit of fun. And the work horseman deserves... So, sorry. Uh, that's how you run down, and I'll tell you. I was just saying, me and Havlet were talking about th- there is going to be a babyface supergroup at War Games. Cody, <sighs> LA Knight, Sammy, Kevin Owens, people like that. I mean, the exce- they've done the work. Yeah. Like WWE have done the work, and AEW never do. How what much of a paradigm shift is that? Yeah. We are through the looking glass people here. <laughs> so they jump, Sabian and the Workhorsemen jump, uh, Rosalie and Briscoe, uh, 
Sabian hits a cannonball on Briscoe in the corner. He fights off all three men, but uh, Anthony Henry sends him to the floor. Jake hits a, Drake even, uh, hits a rebound forearm to the face. There's a springboard moonsault. Oh, my God. Everything J.D. Drake looks. I was like, where's that coming from? Everything J.D. Drake does looks awesome. In a different world, he's the top heel of an 80s territory. Mm. But his work looks futuristic at the same time. They should be doing so much more with the work horsemen. Sabian goes for the... Oh, yeah, there's a double foot stomp in there. I think that's what you're referring to from J.D. Drake. Uh, Sabian went for the J-Driller, but uh, Briscoe fought out. Exploded suplex. He gets over to Rhodes. He runs wild. There's a Canadian destroyer to kip in there. Uh, a corkscrew moonsault from Briscoe to Drake on the floor. Lee hits a spirit bomb. Uh, on Drake, onto Sabian, Froggy Bow onto Sabian from Briscoe gets the one, two, three. A lot of fun this trio's match. Like, I was watching Ramp uh, Collision, Freudian slip there. Yeah, watching Collision. Like you've seen that Limmy sketch where he plays that uh, stoner. I think so. Yeah, it's like a recurring character on the sketch. I was like, ah, 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 I'm watching that with like my eyes glazed over. Like, ah, it's good. Yeah, so choke slam on the apron. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <sighs> good. And then I watch this match. I'm like, work horseman. There it is. Yeah, come on, give me that energy. Give me that wrestling energy. Mark Briscoe's back. He uh, he's backstage following this with Lexi Nair, and he's been watching AW on his 70 inch plasma TV, and he's seen an imposter in Jay White. So he challenges Jay White to a match on Dynamite with the uh, world title shot at full gear on the line. Right? Lots of matches being added. I'll talk about the other one now, actually. Before. Jay White's not really getting over as a heel. I think Jay White is very much, oh, that's a great wrestler doing some good to very good wrestling over the past couple of months. Fine. Where do I not see that on American telly at the minute? It's an inspired idea to have him beat someone who's beloved. Because mm. he's, he's not a top heel as Jay White at the minute. Um, Stealing belts will get you that position, I guess. <laughs> Samoa Samoa Joe, later on, I should say, backstage celebrating the, being the longest-reigning ROH TV champion. Uh, MJF hasn't asked, answered his request for help. He needs someone to watch his back. He knows where he is. Uh, he's beating everyone who stood in his way. Keith Lee walks in uh, and says, you haven't beaten me. And that's another match set up for Dynamite this week. He's uh, He's... In his feelings, is that what they call it? Yeah. Oh, fallen off, have I? How about this? Yeah, yeah. He's very much... Look, I understand that there was a segment taped on Wednesday before the discourse on Thursday that was revealed to the world on Friday. Yes. But you cannot tell me... Cause people, it's not as if Paul White's turned up and go, you know what, I think there's a few too many ex-WWE people on Dynamite of late. It's <laughs> they haven't been talking about for four freaking years. And it was one of those things. It used to be in bad faith, increasingly a good yeah. faith argument. Um, this Dynamite feels like a response to the last couple of weeks of criticism. Hey, this should be the norm going forward. It looks like a good kid. Uh But before that, I should say, there was a match for Willow Nightingale against Emi Sakura. Um, back and forth with shoulder blocks early on. Uh, Sakura sends Nightingale out to the floor. It's a crossbody against the stairs. Uh, Nightingale fights back, but Sakura claws at her eyes, chops her into the corner, and hits a running crossbody into there uh, as we go to a break. When we come back, Nightingale gets uh, Sakura or catches her on her shoulders. It's a Death Valley driver on the floor. 
Oh my god. Shotgun dropkick from Willow gets a near fall in amongst all this. Julia Hart versus Red Velvet is announced for Dynamite this week as well. Uh, Sakura hits Nightingale with a neck breaker but can't make the cover. It's a spinning back elbow and the uh, Lariat chop combo. But Sakura just runs into a main event spine buster. Uh, and the babe with the power bomb gets the one, two, three for Willow. Good. There were bits where I was like. Nelly making the noise. Yeah. Nelly making the UFC just bleed guy noise. Never really became completely consumed by bloodlust, but I had a fun time watching a good stiff match. Um, I good. I'll tell you what. Um, I don't have any insights anymore. I'll tell you what um, did get this reaction from you, and I think it's a spot that happened in the main event between uh, FTR, LFI, Taking on the Gates of Agony, Big Bill and Ricky Starks. Big Bill starts off with Preston Vance. They go sort of go back and forth. And at one point, Bill sort of distracts Vance. And Vance turns around and Bill takes his head off with a lariat. Yeah. Uh, loads of tags. Harwood comes in, uh, does what he does, then tags in Roosh, uh, who takes Starks out of the floor and just chucks him around ringside. Um, Harwood's in trouble, I think, when we come back from commercial. Gates of Agony just beating him up. uh, Starks tags in, right? (laughs) He does old school on on Harwood, and then he hits the uh, apron leg drop. (laughs) And Nigel McGuinness goes, how's he come up with this stuff, eh? That'll pop me. I'll give you that. Bill comes in while Starks goes to ringside to get on the headset and praise him, and then he realizes after Bill misses an elbow, should probably get back in there and help him out. And then Roosh tagged in. And Roosh wasn't playing games, was he? Let's be honest. No. Uh, he feigns the bull's horns on, on Starks and then just kicks him right in the face. Uh, he also catches him with a power slam for a near fall. Um, Preston Vance has to break up a Rochambeau. Uh, LFI hit a tandem slam for a near fall. Leona comes in and beats up Preston for a bit, but uh, Vance ducks a corner charge. Uh, so Bill takes him out with a choke slam. Uh, before dropping FTR with clotheslines. Roosh hit a huge drop kick on Big Bill, sends uh, Khan out of the ring, Bishop Khan, and then runs, uh, then turns around into a spear from Ricky Starks. Wheeler has to save Roosh from a double suplex, um, but he gets a gut buster from Bishop Khan in amongst all this. Roosh hits the rolling elbows uh, on Khan and Starks, brings in Harwood, and then Harwood and Roosh hit the shatter machine before on Khan before Roosh's bullhorns kills him, basically, for the one, two, three. FTR want another handshake. They, these two teams can coexist. But LFI just bail on them again and walk past them. The lights go down. Why did they save them in the first place? The, uh, <laughs> Why did they save them in the first place? The House of Black and Fear um, to say on the screen to say FTR are obsessed with championships, but their legacy's worth more. Oh my God, they're <laughs> If, oh my God, my legacy. If, you, if they don't believe them, maybe they're going to have to beat it into them. And the lights come up, and they're the House of Black, and they start beating up FTR. When who should make the save? But Claudio and Yuta carrying chairs, the Blackpool Combat Club, make the save for FTR to close out this show. <laughs> who is friends with who? Why are you making friends to? unite against a common enemy if that enemy is literally just materialized and you don't really like FTR 
There's other times you can confront the enemy you want to make. I, I'm lost. Mm. It's so Spreadsheet Jones. It's so they're going to save them because they together don't like that heel. And then, oh, they don't want to actually be with them, setting up a match with them down the line. We are so far away from personal issues, draw money in this company. It's not even friggin' funny. I just, there's so little to grab onto with the way that Tony Khan in 2023 is telling his stories. Mm. Like, they don't seem to like them very much. They don't like them, but they'll save them because they've got similar values, except, do they have similar values to FTR now that the baby faces? Or did they try and um, kill Ray Phoenix two months ago ahead of Wembley? Like, what are we doing? I increasingly don't know. I just, I watched a lot of decent to good to very well-timed wrestling in this eight-man tag, but I'm thinking there's so little to grab onto. Roosh was good. I'm going to get to it. Oh, yeah, sorry. There was so little to grab onto, which is so slippery and so unfocused and so convoluted. And at this point, I'm thinking, well, why are you having this match again? Well, hang on, why are the gates of agony in this? Yeah. Tagging with it. Like, what the hell is this? It's like, am I watching a house show and I'm not there? That's what it is. I'm watching a house show that I'm not there for. And then I watch Roosh and it's like, I'll give him the belt and be done with it. <laughs> give him the international title. But then you think, I'll watch Takesha next week. And I'll think, um, oh, give him the international title, actually. Yeah. And then, and on and on and on and on and on and on this will go. You'll get too many top great wrestlers in these square holes, um, round pegs, whatever the cliche is. <laughs> and you'll think, why are you teaming with him? Why are you teaming with him? Oh, the match is good. I don't really care about it. And on and on it'll go for the foreseeable future. Um, if you want more with that, Cedric, what are you talking about? You sound like you're tired and you're trailing off. Well, I wasn't tired when we recorded the Tony. Turning Point Podcast. No. Definitely give that one a listen. Or you can watch us talk about it. It's on our YouTube channel as well. But let us know your thoughts on AEW Collision, on X, at what culture WWE watch. They can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... Can I just say as well, I'm not being willfully stupid. No. I hate... my One of my biggest pet hates is when people are willfully thick. I reckon if I went and read the reports or my own notes or like watched the highlights of Collision... Yes, of course. That's why FTR and the BCC have got this temporary alliance because they united against this common enemy a couple of weeks ago. Like, I'm not saying it's House of Leaves. I'm not saying it's Thomas Pinchon. I'm not saying it's Infinite Jest. I'm not saying it's on that level of deliberately obtuse mm. and dense and complex. I'm just saying because I care so little about it and because this pattern of booking happens every week, I just see it, feel nothing. And because mm. I feel nothing and don't remember, I don't care. And then when I see it, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, probably makes sense if you really care about it. But I don't care to unpack it retrospectively. Follow me at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, for Daily Wrestling Podcast, the Crown Jewel Review is available right now. And me, Sidgwick and Hamlet will be back later on today to preview Mananao Rao. But for now, this has been the AW Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 